Good morning, Liberty Lake Church. Why don't we have everybody come on in and grab your seat and then stand on the floor, not on your seat. <laughs> and we'll start with worship this morning.
I'll take a seat. Good morning. <laughs> you know, it's really funny to me as I look around out there in the auditorium, and it's quite obvious that the only people that aren't scared of the pastor is the Robinsons. <laughs> the rest of you are all spread out out there. Oh, Don's his bodyguard, he said. That's, that's very good. My name is Don. I just hang around here and uh, help where I can. And uh, just a 10-second commercial, uh, Bill Gottfordson is uh, the man of the hour. He's our deacon. And uh, with his ability to put things together and Alan's skill as a contractor, and, uh, and I fall under uh, skilled monkey. And you're always welcome to join us. We're always doing stuff. We're involved in stuff, fixing plumbing, that type of thing. And it's really about the fellowship. I've gotten to know these guys. And uh, it's, they're, uh, they're not just buds, they're brothers here. And it's good stuff. So you're always welcome to join us. Youth group, roller skating at Roller Valley. Tuesday, June 15th, 6 to 8, bring $5. Last time I did that, I got the nickname Speed Bump. <laughs> Church work day. And uh, again, this is uh, under Bill's uh, direction. Bring your cleaning supplies. Bring your favorite stuff. Um, we're going to clean. We've got basic schedules on what needs to be done and so forth, but we're going to blow through here and have some fun. Come for an hour. In fact, it's Saturday. You could maybe bring a change of clothes and just clean till Sunday morning. It, whatever you want to do is good. It's really good. It's a good time to bring your children and teach them what it is to serve each other and serve the Lord. So that's, uh, that's good stuff. Gospel uh, study in the Gospel of John, Tyler Whitlatch, and he is an amazing teacher. So I would really recommend June 21st at 6 p.m. here at the church. That kid is an amazing kid. He knows his Bible. He's phenomenal. Ladies Fellowship, Tuesday, June 29th at 6.30. I thought you ladies would go, hoo-hoo. And VBS, Mr. J is back. Mark your calendars for August 9th through the 12th. It is a family event. So you're all invited. There's a tag board out in the foyer. Grab a tag and do what it says. Oh, and sign the form. Oh, we need to know who's grabbing what, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Last uh, important thing is today at noon, two, today at two, they're shutting down the parking lot out here because they're going to seal coat it. And then we can't get on it till Wednesday. Uh, we don't want anybody, Aaron, we don't want you over here running and leaving footprints through the, the new target. 
Thursday, okay, Thursday. New seal coat and stripes, so the parking lot's going to look like a million bucks and seal it up and stop the uh, the ice damage. I just got to tell you something, and I don't, I don't, I just want to share something from my heart because I got two things going on in my heart, real quick. This is going to be a thirty-second, uh, three-minute sermon, but there's two two things going on. Um, God has called us to a spiritual life. He hasn't called us to a physical life. And a good example of that is David and Goliath. David mocked Goliath in a proper way when Goliath said, I, <laughs> I'm nine and a half feet tall, and you're a bug, and I'm going to crush you. And David said, I come to you with the God of Israel. And he wiped out Goliath. But he did it in God's strength, not his own strength. David was certainly a hero, but David was a hero because he trusted God. He didn't trust his own strength, even after Goliath said, I've got sword, I've got spear. Cool stuff. And then the other side of that is that to live in the Spirit, Scripture says, by their fruits you will know them. Who belongs to Jesus? And I just want to read this to you real quick. I, I'm sniffing 70, so I can't, I can't remember, so I have to read them to you. I'm too ADD to tease me. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So again, I say, live in the Spirit, because that's how we do it. By the by, that's Galatians 5, beginning in verse 22. That can be something maybe that uh, you uh, read this week. Thank you. You want to stand with us again? Sing a couple more songs.
morning. You know, we canceled uh, or postponed communion uh, last week to this week, and and uh, sometimes in my life I'm watching things happen, and I know God's sovereign, and then there's moments where uh, throughout the week you realize not only is he sovereign, but he likes to show off just a little bit. Uh, and so as I was preparing my heart for the sermon and, and getting ready for this week, I realized, man, we need to do communion this week. And we are. So, but God did it ahead of time for me. So um, I just want to uh, remind us again of why we're here. And, and then as we uh, go through the sermon uh, later this morning, you'll, I think you'll see how it ties in very, very well. Um, the guys, Paul is recounting in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three what happened with him uh, as Jesus recounted to him what happened on that night when he was betrayed. In verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 11, it says this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, for which, uh, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As we looked at last week, the, the covenant is broken by Jude at this point in time. And Christ comes and establishes a new covenant which sets for us a new uh, position with him, a new opportunity for us to be in relationship with him. That's what we celebrate when we do communion. And so as you come forward this morning and, and take the items and, and go back to your seat, we'll wait and we'll take together in just a moment. But as you're doing that, I, I want you to wrestle with and just think about in your own minds as you're preparing that what Christ did on the cross was, was necessary. It was something you and I couldn't do on our own, and it paved the way. It made it possible for us to be in a relationship with him, for us to be his children, to enter into this new covenant and have new life eternally with him. And that's what we're celebrating. That's what we're, we're reminding ourselves of, is what he did on the cross, the price that he paid in his blood this morning. So as you come forward, uh, do that, and then wait, and we'll gather together here in just a minute.
again, Paul reminds us of this moment. He says, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We take the bread, remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made physically for us on the cross. His death, his body that has given us, uh, paid the price, taken the burden, taken the, the, the penalty of our sin. We take together. Verse 25, he continues, in the same way he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As we take this this morning, I want to remind us that this is us proclaiming the blood of Christ on our lives. We are identifying as children of God and, and stating that we believe this to be true. That his death, his burial, his resurrection is what I'm dependent on for my salvation, for my hope. Let's take together. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for this reminder. You made us, you created us, you know we need reminders. We are so quick to forget. <clears throat> we are so quick to lose sight of what it is you've done and what it is you're doing. So even this morning, Lord, as we eat bread and we drink this juice, Father, I pray that it would deeply impact our, <clears throat> our view of you today, our view of our own lives today. And then, God, that it would, uh, you would use this as we get into your word today to be reminded of these truths of who we are in you and the hope that we have in Christ. In your name, amen. Sorry, you want to stand with us?
takes your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, pour out our praise, takes your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only, God. God, let that be true. Amen. Now we'll take a seat. Dismissed. Kids, you are dismissed. Well, good thing the sound guys are good because I had that thing on the whole time. <laughs> I didn't beat anybody up, did I? Um, we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. A prayer request was brought to my attention real quick, so we're going to pray for that prayer request. Um, and one of the things that I love about our little church is the freedom to uh, be a little flexible in what and how we do it. Uh, so, Dennis, would you come up here with me? And uh, my brother Dennis has been struggling for a few weeks now, three-plus weeks, with double, triple, quadruple vision um, and, uh, one eye. And, and one eye. And so it's made very a lot of dizziness, a lot of other difficulties, um, really hard to read in that setting. He's asked for prayer, and he asked if the elders would pray, and I said, "Not we can do better than that, because um, we as a body love to pray for people. And so um, I, I know that, <laughs> I know we have this thing that people are worried about COVID stuff, so if you're concerned about that, stay in your seats. If you're not concerned, or you want to come up and lay your hands on Dennis and pray, I want to invite you to come up with me now, and we're going to pray over Dennis, and we're going to pray for God's healing in that spot. And uh, if you're not coming up, you stay right there and pray with us as well, um, and, and bow your hearts in prayer with us, and uh, we're going to do that, and then after a few minutes, I will close us. Looks like about 100 came forward.
my preparation this week, I was kind of wondering why God gave me a shorter sermon than normal. <laughs> now I know. At least let's hope so. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys ever noticed, but I get have mental conflict in my head at times. Um, when I got up to do communion, I was actually thinking about... Uh, I was part of me was actually hoping Becca forgot, and that not because I didn't want to do communion, but I thought, man, it'd be so much better if I would have planned it to do it after the sermon. It would have been better. So I was sitting there in my head processing, oh, this is going to be awesome. This, this we're going to do. And then she looks at me and she's like, okay, come on up. And I'm like, wasn't that aw-? anyway? So uh, I apologize. Uh, that, that is just the way that my brain works, and um, it's working overtime this morning. Uh, so I'm excited. I was uh, talking with Travis uh, out out front with Travis and and who else? Oh, I was. It was with Craig, and uh, we were talking about how we read scripture. And now sometimes, as as we're wrestling on our heart with things, we read a text, and it's something that we're reading in that text really jumps out to us. And uh, and we may maybe we read it later, and we see something different, or it doesn't quite jump out the same. And um, I was reading in the text. We're going to be in Jeremiah chapter thirteen. I want to follow up with last week's sermon, um, just because of what God was doing in my heart. I felt like I needed to follow it up and, and kind of wrap it up. So that's what we're going to do today. Uh, but there's a couple of verses that really grabbed me, and it's uh, verses twenty-two through twenty-five. So you can start turning in your Bibles to get there. But I'm reading this particular spot. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a rhetorical question with some sarcasm mixed into it, um, and, and I'm reading that, and I saw it, and I'm like, oh, man, this is cool, and I started down one direction, and I sat down with Gary. Uh, Gary and Al and I try and meet as, as part of our preaching team occasionally. The summer's been, or this spring's been a little chaotic. We've been missing from time to time. I actually, funny story, I text Gary and Alan on Wednesday. I'm like, hey, you guys, uh, do you still want to meet today, thinking it was Tuesday, because I was off a day, and Garrett Allen was like, uh, yeah, sorry, I was there yesterday, um, and you weren't. Anyway, so I, I totally messed up the schedule, and it's continuing. Um, but the, the reality was I was sitting there reading this text, and I read it to Gary, and Gary's like, what are you thinking? That's not what it says. It, it's sarcasm. It, it, clearly, these people are not going to change. Look, look at the text this morning. You've got to see this. Um, it's, it's Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 22 um, it, through 25. He says this, And if you say in your heart, why have these things come upon me? It is for the greatness of your iniquity that your skirts are lifted up and you, and you suffer violence. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then also you can do uh, good who are accustomed to do evil. I will scatter you like chaff, driven by the wind from the desert. This is your lot, the portion I have measured out to you, declares the Lord, because you have forgotten me and trusted in lies. And so I was focused on uh, verse 23, and it was interesting how I was seeing that. And when I saw him say, and you can do good who are accustomed to evil, I was like, Oh yes, praise the Lord! They were designed for good. This is wonderful. And he, he, Gary's like, "Well, no, you're looking at that. It's sarcasm, which you would think I would be very familiar with sarcasm because typically I'm pretty good at that stuff. But what I recognized as I was processing this week was that part of where I left in in the in chapter 13, where we left last week, was really wrestling with the need to be reminded a little bit more clearly about the gospel and who we are. What kept hitting me was what we're made for, what we're designed to be, right? Um, 
So we're going to take a second and we're going to walk through this process. So just go with me. If you don't need this, then just accommodate me because clearly I needed it because I tried to get around and do something else, but this is where I got stuck all week. So uh, join me this morning in Jeremiah. We just read it, and and we're going to begin this process of, of understanding the good that we can do, who we are in Christ, because um, we kind of landed there last week, uh, and and obviously it was it was a heavy heavy spot, and we still see that in in twenty two and twenty three, uh, twenty four and twenty five here in Jeremiah. Isn't it interesting that they're saying, well, why are these things coming upon us? Why why are we having bad things happen to us? Have any of your kids ever done that to you? Why am I in trouble? Have you guys ever 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 heard that? Well, it, it's because you 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 know you drove my car into the mailbox. That's that's why you're in trouble. Or the the one the one that I loved was when the boys came in and uh, we had we had to run them to the hospital. You remember the the time we ran them to the hospital because they were chasing each other on four wheelers and one of them and you know crashed and the four wheeler was fifty some feet away from where they were at and the pile of rocks they landed in. When it turns out they were chasing one another around with paintball guns on four wheelers. That's a horrible idea, especially because they didn't invite me. I would have brought some safety to that terrible idea. But they got in trouble for that. Why? Because it was dumb. You're getting shot at. They're, they're racing through rock piles, and they crashed, and, and my four-wheeler was never the same afterwards. Not that that's what I was the most worried about, but the consequences of those bad decisions. And so when we see things like that in life, there are consequences. And it's, isn't it interesting that with Judah, and they start when they're dealing with their sin, they keep going to the Lord like, well, w- w- have we done wrong? How can you have this against us? And he's laying out for them over and over and over again all that he has against them, all of the sin that they're doing repeatedly. In verse 22, they ask why. And in verse, the end of verse 22, he said, It is for the greatness of your iniquity that your skirts are lifted up and you suffer violence, that their sin is being exposed and, and that they are suffering this violence. He lays that out for them and then begins the rhetorical question of 23. And an Ethiopian changes skin or the leopard changes spots. I don't know if you guys know this, but I had dreams of being a basketball player. Don't laugh, especially not you tall guys. I was a young man. I was four foot something, and I loved basketball. I loved it. Um, I, I, was, I was pretty good at dribbling, and I had a pretty good shot. Uh, in fact, when I got to college, did intramural sports. I, I was one of the team captains. Got, I, was, I was decent at the time. I still, every now and then, love to pick up a basketball with a couple of high schoolers because uh, they're a little surprised that the old man can handle the ball so well. I can't run with them, and I can't jump with them like I used to, but I can dribble. <laughs> you guys are a dangerous group of people. <sighs> so the reality is, as a very small man, I wanted to play basketball, and I desperately wanted to play basketball. Um, my mom was a coach. She got to go down and meet Clyde Drexler from the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, she actually did a clinic for a bunch of local uh, local school coaches for the YMCA, and the Blazers brought him in. And so she she had all this stuff. And I thought, oh, I've got the key, the secret. And um, five foot nine and a half, or eight and a half, nine. Where, I don't remember which side I was cheating on. I'm probably eight and a half cheating on nine. Um, that was it. And I remember being very angry with God because I'm like, how, why? 
Why, why can't I do this one thing? You, do you know that I used to try and hang uh, on, on, you know, upside down on that stuff because I thought I could help that a little bit? Um, I was a young man, and I thought that maybe that would help. I used to think that if I ate, uh, if I ate the proper foods, you know, I, if, I, if I did better stuff to grow calcium and bone, I mean, I was literally trying to change my outcome. And my dad's 6'3". My real father is 6'3". So I've got a chance, right? Can we change how God designed us? Can we change any of that? How many of you don't want to be bald that are bald? Not me. I love this. Thank you. Yes. We want to change some of the stuff about how we're designed. And and God's making a really clear point for Judah. They're not going to change because their hearts are set against him. This is a sin decision that they've made with full knowledge of, I think, the consequences. We see that earlier in Jeremiah. But this is a a decision that they've made, and they have chosen to reject God. They've chosen to reject his counsel. They've chosen to reject his prophetic word, calling them out of sin. This is a condition, and they're not going to change, just like we can't change our skin color. The leopard can't change his spots. God says, you will do good. If those, if those things can be changed, then you can pull off good. And the sarcastic answer is, or the reality of that answer is no to God's sarcastic comment to them. It's a terrible place. He finishes with that, that, that he's going to scatter them. It's their lot. This is the portion that they have been given. I love what he says at the end of this, because you have forgotten me and trusted in lies. Now, I'm gonna, I want you to follow me on this. I, I'm, I'm, my, my heart in this is that I want us to be reminded of uh, God's plan uh, because there's something beautiful about the gospel that is different for you and for me uh, that, that make, make our lives. It's not this spot of despair. It's not a place of, of uh, desperation for us. There's actually hope in this. Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 you got to see this because it's a beautiful picture. It's an amazing truth. Genesis chapter 1, this is, this is before sin. And look at what God says. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding fruit that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with its seed in it. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. In the beginning, God made us, in his image, created us for a relationship that we would reflect the glory of the, universe, of, of the God of the heavens to all creation. That was our posture. That was our design. That was the plan from the very beginning. Have we forgotten that today? Not saying us. I know we don't forget anything God says to us. 
But I mean, as a culture, have we forgotten that? God's design, God's plan, God's perspective on things. I think we have, right? We have discussions about whether we can change genders. By God's design, no, that's not possible. We have discussions whether or not we whether or not sin is sin in our lives, right? What's sin? We want to define it. As a culture, we want to redefine what, what sin is. Is greed really sin or is it just a successful path? Well, I mean, I'd love to redefine sin. I'd love, to, I'd love to exchange some of the things that I struggle with and take them off the list out of God's book, being angry, being selfish, having pride. I'd love to remove all of those things. That'd be awesome, because then I could just be good. But even as a culture, Judah, Israel, the nations, the world has forgotten what are the beginning process, what the design was. And I have a point, don't, don't, and we're not going back to here for no reason. It, there's a really, really connect, great connection to this, and you're going to see it in just a second. Trust me. Or just feel pressured to stay and not leave until we get there. Because it's good. I think, I think you'll see this. But it, Judah cannot do good. That's the God's point. You're not going to change. I've given you every opportunity. I've provided you every ounce of evidence. I've given you every cause. I've stated your case. I've made it plain to you. I've even given you the example of the nation of Israel as they continued down the path that you are on now, and I disciplined them. You watched that, and you refused to hear from that example. You refused to listen. That's what G- the God is telling through Jeremiah to the nation of Judah. And we get to this spot in 13, and he says, you are not going to change. And here's what's so encouraging to me as I was wrestling with this, and we talked about it last week, right? Abiding in Christ. That's, that's really the issue, is that if we want to be different, if we want to have the, the new life, part, we have hope in Christ. But Part of what we have to recognize is that it's, that's where our hope is, obviously. But look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 2. And I know we read this a lot, and I'm, I'm, this is where I think we're going to tie it together to creation. Ephesians is in, in chapter 2, verse 8, starting there. It says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The gospel that we hold on to, the gospel that, the, of the truth that we have in Christ on, on for the, uh, through his death, burial, and resurrection, is this gospel that is a free gift to us, not by anything we've done. It's the gift of God given to each one of us, not so that we can't boast. It's all the glory goes to God. And then I love, but verse 10, he says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. If you are a child of God, then you are in God's craftsmanship by design created for good works to be done. That's his plan. It was his design. It's what he was created for. Remember, Judah was actually designed to cling to God. We talked about the loincloth last week. That by design, they were supposed to cling to him. They were supposed to hold on to him in a very intimate and personal way. They were to be, by design, the closest thing to him. That was what the design of their, they were created for. He says that in, in chapter 13 of Jeremiah. In the same way, we are created by God 
as his workmanship in Christ Jesus for good works. And this is what I love. He says, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in. So before you're even ready for it, in fact, we know if we read earlier in Ephesians, he says before the foundations of the earth, God knew us and created us for his purposes. All the way back in creation, when Adam and Eve were made in the image of God by design, God had you and me and, and where we're at in his mind, in his creation plans. We, we were present in his thoughts at that point. That's, that's how significant this design is. That's how incredible this whole plan of God's is that is fulfilled in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That from the very beginning of time, the beginning of creation, God intended for there to be a process in which you and I today would experience a being in Christ, designed for good works, and, and having the freedom to live in that reality, the, the privilege of living in that reality. Not like Judah at this time that would not change, that could not change. But you and I have been changed. Look at what he says in chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17. It says this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as, gen as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become calloused and have given themselves up to sensual sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, but that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and, to, uh, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. By whom you are sealed for the day of redemption, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Paul's reminding the believers of who they are in Christ. That we're not to walk like the Gentiles do. We're not to walk like the world. We shouldn't, we shouldn't look like uh, the world, the rest of the world does, that's forgotten who God is, that doesn't follow him or have any allegiance to him whatsoever. Our lives should be marked, markably different than that in, in some area, in many areas. And what does it look like for us to live that way? He gives us some areas. Put away falsehood. Be angry and do not sin. How many are good at that? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only 
such as is good for building up. You know, I had an opportunity for this uh, just the other day. I met somebody in our neighborhood, and uh, they were complaining about our home builder and, and what's going on in the neighborhood. And I found myself going, man, how do I deal with this? Because as I've confessed to you guys, I have some issues um, with, with one particular area. But uh, how do I do that? How do I honor God in that moment? How do I express a faith in God in the midst of, of you know, the, this culture in our neighborhood of people not being happy with things that happen around their home? in the building process. Like, it'd be very easy for me to shift into gripe about the home thing. And I found myself really wrestling with that, partly because I was reading this text going, God, how, do I, how do I make this about God, not me? And that, that's one of the struggles that we have, right? This is all wonderful. Yay, go do it. How do we get to where we're living in Christ, where we're abiding? We're not walking like the Gentiles. We're not letting our deceitful desires drive us into these things. I think there's a, there's a real important piece, and Paul talks about this often. He says it in verse 20. He says, but that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Isn't it interesting? I don't know how many of you guys want a magic pill that solves everything. I think naproxen's about as close as I've gotten so far. Like, when I'm really hurting, I go and take a couple of those, and a little bit of help, ha- there's a little bit of joy after that. Normally, it doesn't fix everything. Right? But we want, I mean, we want Christianity. We want it to solve everything right now. We want, we want our problems to go away. We want uh, challenges to be, to be done. In fact, I would like to be fit instantaneously. If I just went and bought an exercise machine and I was instantly fit, I would pay a lot of money. Wouldn't you? I mean, if, if they solve that problem with just purchasing a machine, have you guys seen the ones where they, you got the coach now on your mirror or a window or something and they're yelling at you to encourage you along the way? Um, I have one on my phone that, that texts me every day, hey, it's time to do your exercises. <laughs> I've been out in the yard shoveling. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Are you kidding me? It's annoying. The reality is we want an immediate solution. But did you see what Paul says? Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Christ. Uh, we had this great privilege with our craftsman ministry. We were doing some welding instruction. We got to see a couple of young guys. Uh, hope, well, one young guy. We a couple of other guys that are learning welding, and uh, and they're going through the process. And they laid down some great welds. And uh, Jacob was doing our instruction. We have other guys that have got years of experience in welding. And and all of us understand as we're approaching that that you don't just read a book, walk up and grab a machine, and do a perfect weld. Right. In case you're not sure, that doesn't happen. It doesn't work. Uh, it, it just you have to you have to be taught. You have to actually educate and grow in your knowledge. And even with all the knowledge, until you start applying it, until you start exercising and practicing that knowledge, your your skill set doesn't doesn't actually grow at the same level as as when you're actually laying down beads of weld. And I think it's the same way in our spiritual walk. What what have you been taught about Christ? What do you know about Jesus? Is it just that he died on, on the cross for your sins? Is it, is it just the gospel? Is it a basic beginning process as Paul talks about being young believers, being infants in our faith? Is that where we're at? 
Or have we spent a lifetime of study and, and development of our knowledge of who he is? Uh, and, and even in that, we have to be careful, right? Because there's points where he can just become an information dump. Or we can just get information from him and never actually have that con- connected relationship. But we don't learn about Jesus just by... Uh, uh, listen, you guys, please don't, don't depend on Sunday morning to be your only spot that you're engaging with the Lord. You, you will be sick, sick Christians if this is the only time you're engaging with the Word. It, it, it's like a really bad diet. Imagine if you only had a soda once a week. Okay, that was a sarcastic illustration. You'd be much healthier if you only had a soda once a week. But if you were trying to eat something healthy and you only did it once a week, you would be very, very sick human. And, and, and that's, it's super important that we understand what Paul's teaching us in this text. There is a lifestyle of a believer that's impacted by what we learn about Jesus, by the study that we put into it, by the energy and, and the time that we engage in that relationship. I love that he uses relationships, right? Because all of us have them, and all of us are not good at them, right? Can we just acknowledge that we all struggle in relationships? I even like my bride, and I still struggle in that relationship. Not, not, not to, i got to be careful what I say with you guys. I'm not struggling to stay in that relationship. I'm struggling to care for her and to treat her like I know God's called me to treat her. It takes work. I, I, I have to actually exercise and labor to understand some of the communication that we have because I miss it. Even after almost 28 years of marriage, I still find myself going, I don't understand what we're doing right now. Can we please stop and reset? Because I'm, I'm lost in our communication. And, and I know for a fact it goes the same way for her. She, there's times where I say things and sh- she's like, what? Please explain. Um, but but this, is a desired, this is a relationship that I want. And, and it takes effort and it takes time and it's taken years. And yet I claim that that's the relationship I want with Jesus. Am I putting in that same effort? Am I engaged in that relationship in a similar fashion? I think that we need to recognize that Christianity, this faith walk, requires that involvement. It requires that relational engagement. Yes, you and I are in Christ, and in Christ we can do good. But we need to be connected to him. And this is the last point. In Christ we are free. Romans 5, 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that we, uh, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Our justification comes through faith in Christ and don't you love the plan? Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and on and on it goes. It is a process of life that we are engaged with with God. And ultimately, I love what he says, and God's, uh, this hope does not put us to shame because it's God's love poured out on us, in us, through the Holy Spirit. Our justification comes through Jesus. 
And Paul continues in chapter 6, and he says this. Chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. If we have been united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this, like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Paul's reminding the believer of who we are, that we are free in Christ, that as a believer in Christ, we've been, our, our, we've been buried. We've, our, our old nature has been put to death, and we're raised anew. Now, here's the reality, right? We still struggle with sin issues. We're still in this process, and it takes us back to Hebrews chapter 14. I'm not, I'm not going to have you read it today, but Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. It says, with one sacrifice, he's perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. We're in a process. This is a relationship that God has invited us into. But we are his children, and we have the invitation. We're in the family. So when I experience the temptation of sin, when I'm wrestling with those things, I have a choice. I'm free to say no. And when I say yes, I run to the cross, and I say, Lord, you're right. I need you. I confess that sin, but the freedom that I have is to live free from those things. I'm not bound to that sin. I'm not stuck in that place because of what Christ did on the cross. That's the hope that we have in Jesus. That's what we celebrate in communion, is that Christ came and took on himself the, the wretchedness of the sinful heart of man, that whether, whether we want to or not, without him we choose sin and we end up in an eternal destination without him. But because of what he did, Jesus on the cross, you and I have the opportunity to be free, to live in him, to experience the, the freedom of death and burial and resurrection through Christ, and we get to live that way. So brothers and sisters, the church should not be despondent today. We should not be in despair. We should be thriving. Okay. Brothers and sisters, the church, <laughs> hello, if we understand the gospel, then we have something to celebrate, joyfully go after our neighbors, joyfully go after the world in the condition that we're in, to joyfully look at the temptations of the world and say, I don't have to do that. I get to follow Jesus. I'm called, I'm designed, I'm created before the beginning of time to be in Christ. 
I've responded to my Savior, and I can live that way. That's the hope we have. That's the design that God's given us. That's what we get up in the morning. That's what we celebrate. That's when we go to prayer. That's when we see our world around us collapsing. We can say glory to God in the highest because there's a solution for this. And you and I happen to have access to it. And we've been given the responsibility to share that with those around us. Now, here's the goal. I want selfies from everybody later on today with smiles on your face because God's so doing such great work in your life, right? No, don't do that. I'm just kidding. Although it might be good for you to take a picture of yourself from time to time and see what you actually look like. Oh, I look grumpy. Just saying. Man, we should be living like this. What I, what I didn't want to leave us with in, in, in Jeremiah 13 last week was just that we're done and there's, you know, God's punishment's coming. There is some reality that we need to understand that that's true and there's reality and finality to the judgment of God. And when we face Him, our relationship with Him is what's going to matter. When He says, depart from me, I never knew you. We need to understand that there's a relational aspect of that that's happening today. That's happening now. And we're engaged in that, and we have opportunity to be engaged in that. So let's do it. Let's engage in that truth. Let's give thanks to God. Let's glorify Him. Let's choose to actually engage in the teaching process. How do you learn something in your life? You choose to go do it, right? You've got to choose to go do it. If you want to be better at something, go and Google it. You should do that. Go Google. How do I walk with Jesus better? Be careful what you might find. You, you may need a filter for that because who knows what you're going to find there. We got a Google option. You don't even have to look it up. You can just jump in and start reading. Make it really difficult. Show up on Monday, June 21st, not this next Monday, but the week after that, and Tyler will help you walk through the Gospel of John. You can meet Jesus face to face. Well, not face-to-face, but you know what I mean. You can see him, his word, as he's given it in his word. That's how we engage the king, though. That's where we engage in this relationship with God that results by his grace, by his provision, by his work in our lives through the Holy Spirit that he would say to us someday as we enter the pearly gates of heaven, well done, my good and faithful servant. It's not just a prayer. It's not just coming to church. It's not just a Bible study. It's a relationship. And you've got to engage in it. You have to choose to be in it today. Joyfully, we get to. He's invited us into that. Would you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for your grace. Thanks for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, that you put up with me. And that you won't continue, uh, that you just don't stop prodding and pushing and challenging me in my own life. God, I thank you that you are faithful. I realized this week that if I'm not experiencing your discipline, I'm, I'm probably not a child of God. That if you aren't correcting something in my life, if you're not redirecting some point of focus in my life, that I must not be a child of God. As you say, a good father, as a good father, you discipline us. You bring us back to what is best. We read last week that you prune us if we're growing, and you prune us if, we, if we're not. 
So, Father, as we pursue you this week, I pray that you would meet us where we're at, but not leave us where we're at, as a good Father would do. And, Lord, if, if in our lives, if there's a spot at which this relationship is dead, we're, we're going through the motions. We're religious. We have our, our Christianity. We have our Bible reading programs. We have the church that we go to, the, the things that we do. We've, we've become mechanical in our relationship. God, I pray that you would wake us up. And I realize that that, that probably results in some uncomfortable scenarios. But God, I want to be awake. I want to know you, and I want to know your voice. So would you do that for us this week? Would you wake our hearts? Would you, as you're faithfully doing, transform these the hearts of stone that were mentioned in Ezekiel and transform them into the heart of flesh? Through your spirit, through your power, we give you all the glory that you're doing in your name. Amen. And stand with us.
Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say. Amen. Have a good week and see you later. <laughs>